This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. It's time to drop the puck. Time for the Nightcap. Your home for news and insider info on your Vegas Golden Knights and the NHL. Let's hear from the goalie. Here's Lindsey Brown. We are back with the nightcap live. We weren't last week because I think President's Day was last week, but I'm not really sure because, you know, time is a social construct. But what is not changed, what is eternal, is my hosting of this great and fine program. My name is Lindsey Brown. And joining me, as he always does, at least until we can get somebody else in the building, is Paul Eihander, my co-host on The Playmakers. Paul, thank you for sticking around. Oh, you're very welcome. And that ends with an E. What do you mean? Well, you know, because, like, you know, the Canadian. Ah, okay. Okay. I was I thought you were going, like, Lindsay with an E. I was like, correct. That's how you spell it. That is the correct spelling. (laughs) Right. No. Mother trucker. Mother trucker, indeed. Indeed. But, uh, you know, things have been a little weird because, you know, the Vegas Golden Knights have been playing the same opponent, their their opponent tonight, the Colorado Avalanche. I don't know if you heard this, Paul, but they have not only played in Lake Tahoe, but they had a 10-hour game. And it was all kamboozled because the ice was just junk in Lake Tahoe because we forgot that the sun shines every day and tomorrow, at least hopefully, fingers crossed. It's not a guarantee, right? I enjoyed watching the outdoor games. It was uh, refreshing because they've been playing in the sterile arena space for the most part. Indeed. You know, outside of, you know, Arizona where a few thousand people got let in or whatever it was. But, you know, it's, you know, it's, you're, we're, we've been high-fiving ourselves, so to speak. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've been, we've been at home and stuck inside for so long to spread their wings and their, and outside at Tahoe. It was a neat experience. I liked the night portion of it more than I liked the day side portion of it. Why? Because there was actual playing? To me, well, there was that, but it just, it, it felt a little bit more... Authentic? Yeah, there you go. That's the word. That's, That's the do. word. That's Authent- Authentic. It did. It, it was that. It was just... It was at its purest. They didn't pipe in the crowd noise or anything like that, which was which was cool. They had it yeah. mic'd up really nice. Yeah, they couldn't use a lot of the drum shots because it was nighttime or whatever it was, but mm-hmm. it felt a little bit more right, I suppose. It was, all, it was about the hockey at that point rather than just like, look at the mountains, look at the lake, look at right. the mountains, the look at the lake. The of the pine Where trees. is Gritty? We don't know. We it, He didn't show up either. So it was, I, I agree with you with that, and it was such a weird, you know, thing for the Knights to have to go through to play that first period on that ice that was 100% dangerous for anybody to be out there on. You know, people were saying, well, they practiced on it the day before. It was fine. They had snow. Well, guess what? Things change. And the NHL's decision to play this game at high noon in high altitude and then wondering why the ice was getting choppy, especially in the areas that were painted, you're just kind of like, 
We didn't think of this. I'm wondering how many guys will actually have sunburn. I mean, after oh, after that after that game, just because you know, at altitude, you go skiing, snowboarding, or whatever. As y'all know, there's lots of ozone there, right? You cover yourself up, put some, you put sunscreen on, just because of not just because of the sun that's above, because of the glare that's coming off. You know, right. that's the the issue with the ice. But it was neat. I mean, it was it it's a was, hell of a lot of adversity for a team to go through, though. Yeah, it, both teams. It, it felt like. It felt like a one-time event, to yeah. be honest. It was it, the novelty wore off really quickly, and then I was just kind of like, "Let's play, let's play hockey now." Right? You know, let's just play hockey. It's neat, but you know, I want to, I, I want a dub. Yes. You know, I want to see. And we didn't win. get one. And we we did, didn't get a dub. And we did not get. One. And it, it, you know, it's the first time this season where the Knights have dropped, you know, two games in a row. And, and to be honest, you know, we talked a, a lot last week on the Playmakers about as much as the, it, it was impressive that they were able to secure that that victory in the first game against the Avs, which they won one to nothing after the Avs were coming after the COVID break. But it wasn't like they've been the better team really at all through these first three games. And I I don't think that's necessarily going to change tonight. But the thing is, is that hockey's not about who's the better team on the ice on a night by night basis. It's about who can show up and who can take advantage of their opportunities. And it's just. It seems like the Knights are the beta right now. And there's nothing wrong because we're not playing for a Stanley Cup today. We're not. And we didn't play for it at Tahoe and we still have a few months. But this Avalanche team has been, you know, these pieces have been around. You know, Nathan McKinnon was won the Calder Calder Trophy a few years ago, just like how Kale McCarr won it last year. They're a young defenseman who was in, who's been nothing but incredibly impressive. But they had a few years where they were really bad. Remember, they had, like, Matt Duchesne on that team. He was a second overall pick. They traded him away. Like, Joe Sackick had inherited a lot of good pieces, but he's not only brought in good people, but, like, across their lineup, it just seems like they're a step ahead of the Knights. And that is not a familiar place for the Gold Knights to be in because they are usually the ones in the driver's seat. They usually are the, the faster team, the more talented team, the team that's playing better in goal. But right now, we're, we're talking about splitting hairs, about splitting, you know, milliseconds and 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 just micro differences and right now i don't feel like if they were going to if if a playoff series started today that the knights would win that but again we still have plenty of time and it starts tonight. Well, the Knights have to get used to playing from behind, and it, that's an unusual spot for them to be in in most cases. Right. Early in the, on in the season, we saw them as a third-period team. Mm-hmm. But even as they were going to the third period, there were very few instances to where that third period found them just behind. They were usually equal, or right. they were just kind of stepping on the gas at that point. Right. More than anything else, they haven't had that third-period kind of luxury here in these three games, especially against Colorado, where... They're suffering from lack of execution. Their chances haven't been, you know, they haven't been terrible, right. but they're not landing them in the right spots. And they're finding themselves against a Colorado team that, you know, we thought were going to come out incredibly sluggish after having their COVID break. Mm-hmm. But now they've introduced all their parts back. Pretty their, much. En- their engine is humming right now. You know, for the for, for having a handful of players out when this when this series, I guess that's the best way to call it, when this series started, you know, eight days ago on right. Valentine's Day. This is a different Colorado team, but it's a Colorado team that has been taking advantage of its opportunities to where the Knights have been playing from behind, and it's not a position that they're used to. No, and that means you can't, you know, you know it, it's kind of like when football, if you get down by a big score, even if you have the best running back in the game, you have to be throwing the football because otherwise you're just going to run down the clock and run out of time. And so without the Knights, you know, being able to rely on their guys playing their best game because they're worried about taking care of the team, other team's best players and getting them away from playing their 
your best game. There's just that that pop that's needed. That extra spark isn't there. And right now their bottom six aren't playing well enough, minus like Alex Tuck, to be totally honest, where they can really make those gains momentum-wise. Like sometimes it's taking them a period and a half to just figure out, oh, yeah, we need to hit people. And that needs to be something that is is right from the start. And that's why, you know, when we were talking about them being a third-period team, most nights in this division, they don't have to play 60 minutes to win. But when you play the Avs, when you play the Blues, I mean, it gets a little bit crazier with the Blues because we can kind of get away with a few more things here depending on how Jordan Bennington is playing. But when, they're, when you're playing a team as well-disciplined as the Avs and, and a team that is especially hungry after their their early exodus from the from the playoff bubble last year because they they were just as talented last year, but they were on like their fourth, fifth goalie. Like they are a team on a mission right now every single night. And it and I'm not saying that the Knights aren't, but it, it doesn't seem like there's a little bit more of, of, of a grace period that they need to find their game. And that's just not something that you can afford to do against a team that is as talented as as deep and as disciplined as the Colorado avalanche. Well, where you say this team isn't playing for a Stanley cup right now, you're right in terms of the calendar aspect of things, yes. but the urgency that should come with along playing big games like this mm-hmm. doesn't seem to be in place. And that kind of lack of urgency. And I don't know if that's the best way to describe it, but when you've got the abs, no, knowing that they've got you over the barrel, yeah. essentially, and they know they're playing at a high level, and they can say all kinds of stuff that they want, and they know they've got your number right now. Right. They absolutely do. There's nothing in their minds that says they can't take one, another one from the Knights, and then the next time they meet, there's no reason for them not to. For the Knights, the Knights need to erase that very quickly. Right, And it exactly. needs to be decisive. I'm not looking for a one nothing game. As much as we all love a one nothing game in, 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 yeah. in, 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 on, a, on the winning end, that's not what I'm looking for. You need to be able to hammer home a couple of things knowing, hey, listen, we know the last couple of games you've been on top of us and you've been pushing us and pushing us backwards yeah. more than anything else. We're not leaning forwards. We're leaning and we're, we're just we're standing straight up. You guys have been forcing the issue. Right. We need to force the issue. We need to start slamming a few of these home and get really physical with these guys because they're taking advantage of us in a lot of cases to where absolutely a, a, a Ryan Reeves happiness feature after the first period of the Saturday's game meant absolutely nothing at night. Right. Exactly. Like they, they're not dictating terms. They haven't been able to show that I'm able to elevate my game to the next level and have somebody put this team on their back again against a team like this. And, and a lot of that is you look to, to Mark Stone, for example, who has not played very, very well in the last few games, at least not in the ways that we've expected him to, because he's being expected to cover up a lot. He's being expected to stop that top line, or at least who are you going to cover? Rontanen, McKinnon, Langeskog, because Langeskog's going to hit you. Rontanen is usually the one that scores the goals, and then McKinnon's the one that literally just says, I want to do this, so I shall do it. And when you play like that shift by shift, not to mention the amount of special teams play that is being asked to uh, ask of these players, Mark Stone plays on the power play. Mark Stone plays on the penalty. And a lot of those guys that we usually associate are eating up a lot of their minutes in those in those situations to make sure that they're either generating momentum to inspire the rest of the team in power plays, if not trying to score, which is not really happening because the creativity is completely gone because the confidence is gone or trying to negate whatever, you know, they're, the abs top line is cooking. There's just... You need guys to step up more. You need Cody Glass to do more than just stand and be really good at standing in front of the net during the power play because that's what he's expected to do. And, and you need guys like Will Carrier to be as physically activated as he, as he has been. You got to make sure his elbow stays down so we don't we don't like test that fate again. But it, it's it just seems that the team 
wants to do the right things, but sometimes they're not willing to do what it takes to make the right play because I'm trying to find my, my, my momentum, my confidence somewhere else. And sometimes it's about sacrificing your best, your individual game for the overall best of the team. And that means I'm not always, every time I have the puck in the neutral zone, I'm not going for a scoring chance. I'm just going to get that puck deep and go four check the hell out of them because we need to tire out these young D on, on the, on the ab side because they're running free. And, and if they're, if they're just constantly getting fed up at the point and taking shots, they're going to, they're going to be like, I can do whatever I want. But if you make them keep going back in their zone and retrieving the puck and then going back down there and then you hit them and then you hit them, how are they going to feel good, Paul? They don't get, they don't get to the other end of the zone because they've been hit so many times. They got to go to the bench because they have to take a break. It's been tough. It's been tough watching this team. It's been tough seeing Stone labor from time to time because you've seen when he's in a more of his natural game, so to speak. Yeah. He can be creative. He can he can create more opportunities. It's where and you know he's it's, frustrated yeah, too. It's, it's where the Knights have had to focus so much on you know line after line after line that are coming at them with Colorado that it is negating anything that Stone can do because as you mentioned, Stone is trying to do something. You know, in he's trying to kind of do it all, almost exactly. pretty much. But Colorado, they just they can key on him mm-hmm. to where you're like, okay, where's where's the next goal coming from? Where's right. the next opening coming from from the Knights? And it's not coming, and you're seeing it from Alex Tuck. But that's it's it's great to see that production, right? But again, your your main guys in a team that normally has this opportunity and normally can spread it out amongst a bunch of guys and whatnot, they're not even getting that at this point because right. they're so trying to key on these these superstars, these 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 guys that are just blazing past them. Again, McKinnon's goal on Saturday was, was one of those that will be replayed over and over and over again on what how special he is as opposed to just you know kind of like i hate to say it just kind of like the rest of the nhl there's only two or three people in the world that can make that play that can do it at that speed that can hit that shot and it was unfair that is given the respect it was unfair it is unfair and that's the thing because it, life isn't fair just like how, how hockey is but but when you're when your other lines aren't playing as good defensively or they're not focusing on the right things like this team should be able to stick the second line on the McKinnon line. Like they should be able once in a while to take that responsibility on, so the first line can get a break and then go play against the the lesser line, so they can get a little bit more confidence put back into their team. And I don't know if that's because coach says he doesn't want them to do it, or if it's just because, like I said, the special teams. There's only so many minutes you can play, and there's only so many com- combinations you can make with this team right now. But you need better play in the areas that don't score that don't show up on the score sheet, and. That comes at a price. That comes at sacrifice. That means, you know, our guys that are used to being scoring goals who aren't really scoring goals right now have to take away their focus on get pucks in the net, get, I have to go do, go get rebounds. No, you need to be responsible in the defensive zone first. You need to pick guys up because we have so many guys just even when when Colorado's on a, on a, on a transition and going into a zone entry into our defensive zone, you're like, guys, I'm here. I'm in the defensive zone, but nobody's picking up anybody. Nobody's physically by anyone. And so you're just like, all right, defense, you guys take care of this. Like, you guys just step up and you're like, no, they're, they're supposed to be the last line. Like, you have to take your guy and make sure that he doesn't just get the puck and then, oh, I'm going to do this. No, you make him earn that ice. You make him take a couple of steps to change the angle, to change his mind, to give him something to think about. And maybe it's because the Knights are thinking too much. Maybe it's because they they know that they that that they're in they're in the the B slot right now, and they're trying to do all these kind of busy work things to do, and they kind of have to let that stuff go. But regardless, 
things need to change in the in the in the range of play. And that's and when you play other teams, it's gonna work. You're gonna be fine. But the thing is, is that you're sometimes you're still gonna drop games to Arizona. Sometimes you're still gonna drop games to Anaheim. But what matters down the road and what matters confidence wise to this team is whether or not they can hang with the big boys. And they've been able to hang with them on the scoreboard. But it's because of the spectacular play of, a, of two or three individuals that has allowed them to be in the same, you know, just just rink with these guys. Because if it, if Mark Andre Fleury is playing anywhere close to not a nine four save percentage and a one three goals against, it's not even close, Paul. And that's what worries me because iron sharpens iron. We don't have the competition to kind of foster this environment. So when they do get put on their ass like they have been. They need to respond, and that's where tonight comes in. Because if you can get out of this series with a split, it's huge going forward because you know you're not playing your best hockey. You know, a guy I was super high on has been left off the score sheet. We've talked about Mark Stone's you know, woes, obviously, mm-hmm. but Chandler Stevenson has been so taken into neutral at this mm-hmm. point. And to he was where flying high. He was, but he has been pretty much silenced for since the, since the Sharks game on the 13th. Mm-hmm. There's... There's nothing there. And, that, and the part of that has to do, obviously, with the line that he's playing on, too. But we've seen, you know, we've still seen Patches get his. But Stevenson, who's, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, who's, who's, who's another one of those straws, another one of the spoons that stirs the drink. He's speed guy. Right. Hasn't been able to do that. And right. with him and Stone not producing, mm-hmm. it's not helping. Right. And the thing is about Stevenson, too, is like, you can be speed guy, but it don't, that's only working if, if you guys are playing the game, if you guys are having the puck possession that's needed. And he's been caught out there a couple times where he's not where he's in position, but he's not in position to make a player actually defend. And that's where the, those little things that I'm talking about that don't make it to the score sheet. So, but we do have some ways that they can work them work themselves back into a victory formation tonight. I have my three to five keys to the game that we are going to get to next on the other side of the break, right here on the Nightcap on CBS Sports Radio 1140. <laughs> Filtered hockey talk for Golden Knights fans. It's the Nightcap on CBS Sports Radio 1140. Whoa. Welcome back to the Nightcap. My name is Lindsey Brown, your host always and forever. And Paul, I need to set up the video because we have to, you know, be a thing on social media. So we sure. have some breaking news regarding your Vegas Golden Knights and, you know, the arena they play in. Could you share that with us? Yeah, so at T-Mobile Arena, what uh, the Golden Knights had submitted a plan to state and local officials to host Host gatherings essentially there to where they could do uh, 20% capacity. Uh, the State Division of Industrial Relations during a call today approved the Knights at T-Mobile Arena to host guests at 15% capacity. That was announced today. So starting March the Ooh. 1st, which we're not sure if it will start with the wild game because we haven't seen anything official from the uh, Golden Knights in terms of their team yet. I mean, they may announce something during the telecast tonight, but they'll be able to host up to 2,600 fans at home games, which could be that wild game on March 1. They play the wild in a two-game set to start March because they finish the rest of this month on the road. So we're saying probably going to have fans, but we have yet to get confirmation. Yeah, the, the the Division of Industrial Relations says, yes, they could start so March 1st. It right. just depends if the Knights would be ready to make that happen to get people in for that, that set against the Wild, or they would wait until the middle of the month right. uh, to where they come back because they've got another roadie coming up as well. So, so Dad said we could go, but we just have to wait for Mom to confirm. Right. Essentially. And so we've cool. seen we've cool. seen fans in the stands at, at, at hockey throughout uh, the U.S. here. None in Canada yet, obviously. Uh, no. 
because of the COVID restrictions there. We've seen fans in Texas and in Florida and Arizona as well. Uh, but it's not the, it, it's not a full house, clearly. It's not even 50%. This is 15%. But so, it's people in there that have not been in there since, you know, a year ago. It's, it's been a year. It's, it's been a year. It's been a year, and this team was on the road too, right? So I believe so. Yeah, so I mean... The, the last home game was against yeah. St. Louis. Calendar aside, it's it's been a year since anyone's been inside of T-Mobile Arena outside of security personnel and selected sure. media. Well, this is very good news, Paul. I mean, once we get it confirmed from, you know, mom. Yeah, and, yeah the, t- the team will have to come out and say something in terms of ticket policies. Again, nothing's been released. Sure, no one will be clamoring. <laughs> Won't be a hot ticket in town whatsoever. It, it, it could be one of those things to where you might be lucky if you get in, especially if you're a non-season ticket holder, because a lot of those folks, you know, basically forfeited. And I just say that because, you know, there's a lot of season ticket holders who do listen. Sure. Uh, You know, you had to forfeit, uh, you know, a month and a half of last season. Mm -hmm. And certainly, you know, there were no there yes. were, there were no because they were in the bubble. There were no playoff games to attend either. Correct. And but you, you any could, news here is good news. Yeah, they can only send you so many bobbleheads to make up for it. This is true. This is true. And uh, and any sort of like rolling in that direction means that we are you know eventually going to get back to that building what it what it is meant to be, which is full of fans. The rabbit the rabbit fan. The reason why I moved down here was because of what I saw outside of that building before I even got inside. And once I got inside, I was like, oh my god, what is this? I've never seen hockey like it, like it is at T-Mobile Arena. So I'm very excited that we're taking, hopefully, the first initial steps to reinvigorating that because it is cold as hell in there without fans, Paul, I must well, say. At 2,600 fans, Linz, I'm not sure it's going to warm up it, that it's much. It's better than nothing. But, but it will be a little a little bit a little bit louder. Yes, indeed. Well, that is great. Gr- that is a win in my category and the the Vegas Golden Knights are going to be looking for a win in their category tonight against the Colorado Avalanche because for the first time this season, they've lost two straight. We're going to try to uh get walk out with a split in this series which would be huge not only just in the standings itself but confidence-wise for this team going forward. And so I'm going to give my 3 to 5 keys to a VGK victory which I usually do for the playmakers, but I have saved it all for you guys because I like you guys way better. Although, if you listen to both, I would not, you know, be mad, sure. right, there, Paul? There, we would like both of them, right? For sure. Yeah, four fourth game out of fourth game out of four straight games with Colorado, and exactly need to, need to shake the two game losing streak here. Exactly. So first and foremost, the Vegas Golden Knights need to stay out of the box, and it's really specifically about the too many men penalties because we've had too many of the too many men, and and it happened, you know, the, the night where the coaches had to be taken out because of of, of COVID when Kelly McCrimmon was on the bench, and it happened last game, it happened the game before, and just those penalties that you can help, those slashings, those hookings, those those elbows to the head, uh, just making sure that you, Mark Stone, if you're trying to lift up the guy's stick, that you keep your own stick down. Sometimes those things happen, but they're just spending so much time in the box, and not only do you want to give the not want to give the Colorado Avalanche power play a chance because it is lethal, even though the Golden Knights have done a pretty good job of keeping them at bay. You are also wasting the canisters of energy, the legs of some of your top players trying to kill those, and it disrupts the momentum of this team in general. So by staying out of the box, by minding your P's and Q's. Now, if you have to take somebody down because they're on a breakaway, I get it. If somebody, you know, pushes pushes Mark Andre Fleury and we gotta we gotta settle a score, I get it. But in terms of minimizing those other lazy penalties, I think this team could do a lot better, at least one or two penalties better is going to make a huge amount of difference. Uh, And like I said, the too many men, 
just keep your heads up. Let's try to make sure our counting is, is good to go. Um, second, when it comes to scoring goals on Philip Grubauer, who is, you know, leading the league in goals against average, Mark andre Fleury is right behind him. But, you know, Grubauer is, is only letting about a goal and a half per game. And it's, and it's very much due to the defense, but it's about taking away the eyes. It's about getting consistent screens and just consistent presence in front of that net. And it's not just like on the shots where you're just like, okay, here I am. It's, it's getting him to back up in his crease to feel uncomfortable that he can't challenge the pucks. And to do that, you need sustained offensive zone pressure as well. You need to make sure that those pucks are getting low, that that you're you're really working the legs of the defenders for the Colorado Avalanche and, and the goaltenders in general. Because as a goalie myself, there's nothing worse than having to sit in your crouch for like two minutes straight in the zone and, and, and trying to fight things off. Because as you sit in that, that lactic acid tends to build up. You start making bad decisions or you're not able to get as powerful of pushes. And so by making sure you're taking away his eyes, by possessing that puck down low, and having the puck means that they don't have the puck. So we need more of that because the Colorado Avalanche have been able to kind of dictate terms so far. Um, Paul, anything you want to add to, to what are my three to five keys so far? Or am I just hitting every single check mark? I think you're rolling incredibly well here. Excellent. Uh, in terms of in terms of what this team needs to do, I, I want to hear what you have left and maybe I can add to the end. Excellent. Well, the other thing that has really plagued the Golden Knights is that at least – They've been going to the box, but still have the Colorado Avalanche. But the thing about the the Golden Knights power play is that it's become completely stagnant. They're not moving their feet. They're getting super predictable in in their passes. They're trying to force too many instead of, you know, taking the right shot and passing it up for the perfect shot. So how about we cycle it up the wall a few times? How about we get these feet moving a little bit so we can at least drag some of the Colorado Avalanche out of their position where they're not just, I move two feet out and try to block you, and then when you pass it to the side, then I move three feet to the other way. Like, you have to get these guys cycled around you got to get these guys moving otherwise there's just not going to be anything opening up and and the and the most exact best example is like when they had that five on three at, at lake tahoe and you're just kind of like did you get a shot and it just wasn't really rolling and as we know power plays are not always about scoring goals but they're about generating momentum but when you're not getting shots when there's nothing creative happening when everybody's standing still that's going to take away from your confidence as a team because you're not even able to get anything done when you have a man advantage so that needs to be a definite um, um, thing for them to work on tonight and then when it comes to the forecheck which I feel like the Golden Knights have gotten away from because we've been trying to score goals we've been chasing a lot the forecheck is the bread and butter of this team especially that second line especially with William Carlson and Riley Smith and Jonathan Marshall who need to do better who need to be a more a, a bigger presence on the ice right now I'm not saying that they're not being productive but they're just not being productive in the ways that help the team build overall they're 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 finding ways to put pucks in that once in a while but it just it, it seems like there's a disruption so sometimes it's about getting the red line dumping the puck in and making those young avalanche defense dig it out and try to break it out you got to hit them you got to hold them down in that zone and send your, your four checkers in the kitchen sink this is a team that thrives on sustained zone pressure and K because if you get somebody pinned down below that goal line, they're going to have to send their other defenseman. And, oh, look, our second guy is going to go. And then the puck's going to pop out in front. And guess what? We have a crasher right here. That is how this team finds success. It's not in just, you know, run and gun, odd man rushes from the outside. Patch Reddy can hit those shots once in a while, but we, that cannot be our entire offense. So those are just kind of some of my keys to victory for tonight against, uh, against the Colorado Avalanche because they're going to have to play a hell of a game. But it's only one game, Paul.
on the on the anniversary of Miracle on Ice. It's just it's just one game, Paul. But uh, you mentioned the word disruption, and I think that's very key. So you know, for this team, for the Abs that came back after the big COVID break, guys were coming back from injury. They reintroduced a couple of new cogs to the, not new cogs, but old hands to the lineup. Mm-hmm. Gabriel Landeskog's a guy that I think needs to be taken out of his rhythm very quickly oh, yeah. because he got he's inter- a pinball. He got integrated into that Saturday game so quick mm-hmm. that he was able to just get settled in really fast. And I think for a guy like that, if you can disrupt him for just a little bit longer, keep him out of his head or out of his game by getting into his head, right. I think that could be incredibly helpful just in terms of kind of neutralizing just one of the many threats that the Avs bring to the table. Right, and he's an agitator through and through. Like, he's about, he's trying to do the same kind of physical play we're looking for from, from the entire lineup, but he can be baited. Like, he can get wrapped up in the game away from the game, and right now it is, you're right, it is a little bit too clean and easy for him to kind of, I'm going to go hit this guy, I'm going to set it up, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set up Miko or Nathan, and I'm going to be a plus, and I'm possibly going to get an assist, and then we're going to have a fun time. Yay. It can't be like that. They need to they, they need to get the abs off of their option A, deviate away from the, the, the instantaneous decision because there's just too much respect out there for the Colorado Avalanche. They're talking crap about you in the postgame. They're they're dictating terms on the ice. They said they wanted to play through the ice on 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 Saturday because they are playing that well. And Gabriel Langeskog, that's why he has the C. That's what he is that energy barometer for that team. And just make him play against the boards because if he has to do that shift by shift and all those players, nobody wants to play against the boards all the time. It's no fun. It's no fun to take a hit to make the play. But if you do that, you have a much better chance of of catching them flat footed than what they're what the Knights are trying to do, which is keeping them in open ice. And right now we're not winning that game. We're not winning the speed game. So you're absolutely right, Paul. That's why you're here. Your hockey expertise. Every once in a while, Squirrel finds a nut in that case. But Dang when you me. when you talk about that disruption and trying to make sure that you know they're not winning the head game, that you can get back into it. Part of that is that mental race. And again, when you do lose two games against the same team, mm-hmm. going okay, we didn't really change things up the second game. You know, they got a couple of lucky bounces, and we required a you know a spinneroni, a spinorama by Alex Tuck just to keep yeah. it close. But then we couldn't create any opportunity late in that game, and that was roughly six minutes mm-hmm. of just kind of stalemate hockey where the you know, they were trying to force it, but it seemed like the Avs had answer after answer after answer. And it just wasn't about clearing the puck and dumping it into the mm. zone. They were taking it right back and forcing it right back in Marc-Andre Fleury's house. Yeah, exactly. And you got to dig down deep. You got to get uncomfortable. And that's why today's Foosh quote of the day, which is, you know, honor of my dad, who used to have these sheets lined out for practice and with quotes and everything to inspire the masses to our victory, at least in our next, you know, possession drill. Uh, it comes from Jason Reynolds, who's a New York Times bestseller, author and poet. He says, be not afraid of discomfort. If you can't put yourself in a situation where you are uncomfortable, then you will never grow. You will never change. You will never learn. The Knights need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, with grinding things out, with playing a game that they're not used to, that they're not built for, but one that is necessary to make sure that the Colorado Avalanche do not play their A game. Those are our three to five keys to a VGK victory. And on the other side of the break, there's a development with a certain New York Rangers player that needs a little bit of attention and a little bit of explanation. We'll get into that next right here on the Nightcap on CBS Sports Radio 1140. Sending you off to the naughty chair. It's the Nightcap on CBS Sports Radio 1140. We need to avoid time in the naughty chair at all costs. If you're the Vegas Gold Knights, if you missed the three to five keys to a VGK victory, you can use the rewind feature on that radio.com app that I know that you already have. But in case you don't, you've deleted it because of space reasons. App Store, 
Google Play Store, I believe, right, Paul? Nice and free. Uh, yeah, and so you can use the rewind feature if you want to listen to it, you know, before the game starts, which is like literally mere minutes away. We are doing pregame. We are, exactly. For those of you in the car. Exactly. You're welcome. Um, or you could listen to it in podcast form as well on that same app. It's also available on Apple Podcasts as well, but we would like you guys to go to the radio.com app because it helps us out better. And that's what the business we're in, Paul, is, you know, helping us out. Right. Keeps the lights on at our houses. It does. And so if you like anything that we have to say, that's where you go. Even if you don't like it. I'm, yeah. You can I mean, still go there. You just kind of do it and support your fellow uh, man and womankind. It'd be just like a hell of a time. It'd be great. Um, somebody who's not having a super great day and and, and just like a really a really tough story and, and just an interesting one in general is our, our Temi Panarin of the New York Rangers. You know, he's he was uh, up there in, in the MVP race last year for the Rangers. He's one of the best young players. He signed a big time free agent contract with them last year. I want to like preface this with obviously if if the, if allegations like this at, at me of all people I take this stuff super seriously, um, but I I feel like we need to kind of address what what happened or at least what's been made public today uh, because he's taking a leave of absence from the New York Rangers Paul because a, a story that was reported in Russia alleged that he had a physical altercation with an 18-year-old woman in Riga, Latvia, uh, almost 10, 10 years ago in, in 2011. As I said, we take you know stories like this very seriously. Uh, I, I'm it's 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 a huge thing for me. But when it comes from the source, and if you can and if you can kind of zoom out a little bit, uh, the team said Artemi vehemently and unequivocally denies any and all allegations of this fabricated story in a statement that they released on Monday. Um, this is clearly an intimidation tactic that is being used against him for being outspoken on recent political events. And Artemi is obviously shaken and concerned and will take some time away from the team. The Rangers fully uh, support Artemi and will work with him to identify the source of these unfounded allegations. As I said, these are allegations so far. But Panarin has been one of those guys that's been very vocal uh, of his support of Alexei uh, Navalny. I know I'm probably butchering that name because I, I, Russian's tough for me to read sometimes, but uh, he's an opposition leader in Russia against President Vladimir Putin. And so um, I wanted to address that because, like I said, it's it's a huge deal when when like a story like this or allegations come down like this. But from what I understand and what from what I, I've heard uh, from my my sources in New York and people are, you know, tracking this down and stuff. This is a very serious thing because obviously r- things run a little bit differently in Russia than they do here. Paul. Well, he's a he is a Russian born athlete who yes. plays essentially the national sport. Yes. You know, and he's he would be in contention, sure, to play for the, the upcoming Olympic Games mm-hmm. uh, in 22, where there are a number of other Russian players who clearly could be out there. But he's one of the few, if not maybe one of the only Russian athletes to come out against the current right. sitting government in a number of in a number of interviews that he has done mm-hmm. to where you you don't see like that. You you see that in the United States, it's it's more common here, but in Russia, it's like Putin. You're you're the guy. You're right. our guy. To where even you know uh, Ovi Alexander Ovechkin has been a supporter of Vladimir Putin very publicly. You've raised money for him in a political campaign. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, Putin himself has skated with with the KHL Moscow team. As you said, it's a national sport there. It's a huge deal. Um, and, and then these allegations are being made by a former NHL player and his former coach in the KHL, Andre Nazarov. And as I said, this is from, you know, an allegation that took place 10 years ago. And as I said, you know, from what I've heard for the sources, his teammates say that these are baseless, that that they're reaching out to the people at, at the that own the bar there. 
Um, but, you know, he has said he's worried, obviously, because if this is what it is, which is, you know, a shot across the bow, he still has family back home. This is a very serious thing. And this isn't like, you know, out of left field when it comes to, you know, dealing with 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 detractors away from what what the powers that be are over there. And so especially for someone as as visible as he is, you know, he plays for the Rangers. He's an assistant captain. He signed a seven year, eighty one point five million dollar deal. Um, very much the next generation after Ovechkin and Malkin and, and, and stuff like that. Datsuk. Um, I just felt like it was it was necessary to kind of bring that up and to talk about it because it's not every day you see some something like this happen. And, um, you know, I hope that they get to the bottom of it and that everything's OK, because it's not like I said, the, the free speech thing is 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 hard in a lot of ways because everybody can say anything. But there's also when it comes to stuff like this, this is like the opposite end of the spectrum. There are the things that come into play, certainly. Right. And I think, you know, as you look at this story and you, you with Panarin faces in terms of accusation where you have his current team standing by him. And then you also have the NHL coming out with a statement saying we're supportive of Panarin and the Rangers. Right. And they're going to monitor this. So you 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 pull back from it and you look at it and you go, OK, well, what is what is this truly about? Is this about kind of ruining the reputation of a of, of a player within the country, you know, in, in light knowing that the Olympic Games are essentially a year away and going, right. well, you know, here's where, here's why we're not going to pick them because, you know, this is this or is there something larger at play right. to where maybe there are some facts that are involved in this. Again, it, it's a straight it's, it's really weird because you, we're from, easy to jump to conclusion as a society as well. And that's, and, and that's the thing to, to like when you look at this, when a story comes out like this, who's making the allegation? Where is this story coming from? Where 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 is the source of this? And it's if there's an alleged victim, and I know that not all victims come forward. Obviously, like I I, under, I understand that, um, but you have to kind of read what what what's going on. And as you said, you noted Ovechkin's you know very very public support. Putin himself, you know, I is I'm, there is an election coming up, whatever that means, and so. Uh, it's it's just a very odd thing, and it's and it's tough in our society right now because, like I said, we're very quick to judge. We're very quick to go with whatever the lead story is. And as if the, if this were true, if this is found to be true, like, but we have to do our due diligence of seeing both sides of it to understand what's going on and not just jump to the conclusions that fit our that that our biases lend to. Because that's where people get hurt. That lead, okay. lead us down the easiest path. Exactly. Exactly, Paul. I, 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 that's a much better way to put it. But it's it's not every day that something like this happens in the NHL. And obviously, hopefully, every, we get to the bottom of this and everything's good. Um, but just, uh, just a little filling you in on what's going on outside of our own little pond here in the Valley in Las Vegas. But we have a few minutes left before we kick you off until that game, into that final game against the Colorado Avalanche. We'll preview the rest of the week for your Vegas Gold Knights on the other side of break right here on the Nightcap on CBS Sports Radio 1140. The Nightcap. That's a uh, night with a K as in Golden Knights. Duh. On CBS Sports Radio 1140. Whatever, wherever, you can listen back to all of the great insight we have bestowed upon you all today and any previous episode of the Nightcap on the Radio.com app that, you know, you already have. In case you don't, Google Play Store, Apple App Store, and uh, you can listen back to every single tidbit of information. And we got new news because I was going to preview the rest of the week, you know, for the Gold Knights because they have games against the Ducks, they have games against the Sharks. But we got to play tonight first. And tonight, we're going to be rocking a very different lineup, Paul. A very different look with this VGK lineup, shall we? Is this just about 
increasing production, or is this about just showing the abs a new hand? I think it's a little bit of both, because what has been working, or what what we've been playing with has not been working, and we need to find guy, find ways to get different guys' chances, and we need to shore up the defense in some other ways. So starting from the top line, from your first line, Alex Tuck, left wing, Stevenson, center, Stone, right wing, second line, Cody Glass centering centering Max Pacioretty and Riley Smith. Third line, Carlson centering Marcheseau and Nick Waugh. Fourth line, Colasar, Carrier, Reeves. That is untouched. Defense, finally, as Twitter has been begging. Theodore and Petrangelo will be playing on the top pair. <laughs> yeah, no shock there. Martinez and White Cloud. And Nick Hag and Dylan Coughlin, obviously Flurry will be in the net because uh, Robin Leonard is not on this trip still day-to-day with him. But a hell of a shakeup. As I said, the only line that is untouched is the fourth line. First glance, Paul, your thoughts? Uh, very quickly, again, I think this is just about showing a, a different hand more than anything else. It's a little, it's a, it's a changing of the clothes. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we're, it's not the same old comfortable sweater, which is a good thing mm-hmm. for the Knights just to see if they can get some spark. I think the issue is going to be is how much time have these guys spent together in these trios, right. knowing that this hasn't been the traditional kind of run of things. Maybe they worked this out yesterday in terms of just kind of a, a walkthrough and a run through to see if there was some sort of chemistry. But, you know, any change is a good change when it comes when you're trying to shake off a two game the losing streak. Absolutely. I think I think that Alex Tuck uh placement on the top line is gonna be a huge opportunity That's for a him. Prove it that is a very because he's been playing very well, obviously, but it's usually against the third line competition. He's not exactly the most defensive responsible for, but he will need to be, especially if he's playing against the big boys. But hopefully his size, his speed could maybe deviate, as I said we were when we were given the three to five keys, make Colorado play their plan B. And like with his side and speed, size and speed, he's probably the only guy that could probably match Nathan McKinnon in terms of, uh, I'm going to make you deviate away. In terms of that third line switch up with having Carlson centering Marchessault and Wa Wa's had a really tough few games, and and it's you know this this puts a lot more speed on that third line. Maybe it's it's trying to break through the seal or at least go through the the path of least resistance. We know that Mar- that Marshy and Carlson play really well together. Um, and, and can maybe help elevate that game from Waugh and, and hopefully create some more mismatch options on that third line. And then Cody Glass is getting a really big uh, opportunity as well as that second center between Riley Smith and Max Pacioretty. He's going to have to skate tonight. Pacioretty's not the, exactly the most fleet of foot. We pay, we pay him to score goals. But we know that Riley Smith is as, as, as uh, defensively responsible as anybody can get. So it's making sure that Glass, can you can you be the playmaker that we need you to be to put these guys in the best position? So it's putting it's asking a little bit of a new look, or at least uh, asking something different of each and every player because you're taking them out of their comfort zone. But like you said, Paul, sometimes it's just about creating friction. Sometimes you have to drag your feet across the carpet to make the make balloon, you know, make your hair stand up. I think the post game will be interesting, depending on a win or a loss. Well, sure, because yeah. this is this is uh, this is like playing Yahtzee. Yes. You know, really, it is. We know what our we know what our sixes look like, but we're trying to grab that last six so right. we can so we can put up a big score. This is you know he. This is the most. This is the most disruption we've seen. Over. This is a team that is built on structure. You know, yep. this is where you need to be. This is where you need to be. Again, that's the one thing I think I want to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pay attention to tonight. Is is you know how much time did they really have to work this out? Was it just one day, or have they worked this way in practices right. and we just haven't seen it? Yeah, and Theodore Petrangelo. I mean, I think we know what they're capable of. They need to make sure that they're not getting too offensive. Defensively minded, that's that they're saving some energy for the for the defensive canisters. But 
Alec Martinez, I think, has been the best defenseman on this team so far this season, and he's producing as well. White Cloud, big-time moment for him, too, to be playing top four minutes and, and to play with Martinez. I'm interested to see what extended time opens up for, for those pairings. It's it's going to be a very telling night because we don't know if the, it's, this will be what it's going forward. But regardless, as I said, to keep doing the same things over and over and expecting a different result, that's insanity. So we have to find some way to at least give the spark or disrupt the plans that have been going on with the Colorado Avalanche, which have been completely successful. And they have the home change tonight, too. So you got to match the energy, Paul. That's what we're in the business for. And we want to thank you guys for giving us your business and listening to us here on the Nightcap. We're back here every Monday night, 5 to 6 p.m. Thank you to Paul. Thank you to Mark. Thank you to myself because, you know, we do good things here. Otherwise, we will see you guys all next Monday. Go Knights. This has been the Nightcap right here on CBS Sports Radio 1140. Bye. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.